0: All right. (laughs) Well, tonight we're going to continue kind of on the foundations. We're not going into Romans. Pastor Mark is doing that, and um, it's been so good, and uh, he really has some great revelation on that. And so tonight, decided just to go uh, to something that he was talking about the other night, and, um, you know, really uh, we are growing in so many areas and Pastor Mark said that God's going to begin to deal with us with things that are blocking our faith or blocking the flow of God in our life and he named some different things and and forgiveness was one of those and so tonight as I was preparing I thought well this is a really great way to go and um, uh, we're going to talk about forgiveness tonight and so as we do that I just want to tell you a couple of things. If forgiveness is one of the areas in your life that, or unforgiveness, is one of the areas that uh, you are struggling with, there are some really great things that can help us through that and that can instruct us and teach us. And one of the things that I found, um, Lisa Turkhurst has gone through some different things in her life and she wrote a book. Uh, called forgiving what you can't forget and this is such a great book And there's a journal that goes along with it and we only have two copies in our bookstore But if you were interested in this just tell Wendy at the bookstore and we'll order more um, But this was such a great book and I have recommended it to a number of people and they have also Gotten so much out of it and so those are some really great ones and then also, you know we talked this morning about um, Third John chapter two, where it says, beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. You know, forgiveness is one of those things that works out from our life and from our heart as well as a number of different things. And as our soul prospers, God really works with us in that area of forgiveness. And um, as our soul prospers, He enlightens us to things. But one thing uh, that I've really noticed, too, is that as my soul prospers, God's working things out. But as I pray for people, then he works even more things out. It's really hard to stay in a place of opposition with somebody when you're praying for them. And so one of the things that I always tell couples is that if you are uh, struggling in your marriage, if you're up in one of those places where maybe things are just, you know, not quite how you want them to be. You know, at one point, Pastor Mark and I, it just seemed like we were kind of nitpicky with each other, and just the devil can get into those places, and he can work things that, that you really don't want him working, and you really have to work on yourself. Well, the Lord told me to pick up this book, and... And uh, the power of a praying wife and the power of a praying husband. And when I did, and when I began to pray for him, it seemed like there, with the, the instruction of the book, really, because uh, she brings up so many different areas of their life, that you begin to pray over your wife or your husband. And as I began to do that, God began to change my heart and open my heart to my husband. And it was such a wonderful thing. And it wasn't like, oh, I have to work on forgiveness. Oh, I have to forgive him. He yelled at me again. Or I have to forgive this. or No, it wasn't even like that. It was just one of those things that as your soul prospers, it's working out into your life. And so if we do things like this on a consistent basis, then we probably don't have to do a lot of work on our marriage or uh, in our family or because we're continuing in that path of growth and we're listening to the holy spirit and there's prayer that's continually going forth and when there's prayer it's us talking to him but god reveals things to us too and so it's a really wonderful thing and so we're out of the power of a praying wife i'm sorry but we have a ton of the power of a praying husband so men (laughs) (laughs) this is your chance (laughs) and i'll tell you if your wife just even sees this book anywhere near your bedside table or your car or anywhere. Oh, she's just going to love you so much. So (laughs) those are just two things that I wanted to bring up before we even start getting into the word on forgiveness because uh, it's powerful. It's really powerful. We continue to have that inflow, renewing our mind and our confession. And, you know, it creates a foundation where our life prospers. That's what we talked about this morning. But it really affects things like, forgiveness too in our lives so all right let's pray over this word before we receive it father we just thank you for this word that we're about to receive tonight and we thank you that the holy spirit is here that he is ministering to each and every one of us i thank you that he's present in the room you know each and every one of our situations and you desire that we go higher i thank you holy spirit for speaking to us, for enlightening us, for showing us things that you have for us tonight that'll cause us to grow and prosper, that'll cause us to walk in new dimensions, that'll cause us to use your word skillfully as we apply the word to our lives that we'll become like skilled musicians and skilled people who understand and know things. And we don't even know how we know it, but we know it because you told us, because you've taught us, because we've sat under you and your instruction. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're here and that you're helping us tonight. You're helping us grow. You're helping us overcome. You're helping us to forgive. You're helping us to uh, really set our lives on course, on path. And I thank you for that. I thank you that your wisdom is present. And I really believe tonight that you are speaking to us in ways, Father and Holy Spirit, that only you can. And I thank you so much for it. I thank you for it. We just ask you and invite you, to say all that you want to say. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, go with me over to Mark 11, 22. Mark eleven twenty-two is a really famous faith scripture, but it's also a forgiveness scripture. And it says this. <clears throat> it says... Um, And Jesus, replying, said to them, Have faith in God constantly. Truly, I tell you, whoever says to this mountain, Be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt at all in his heart, but believes that what he says will take place, it will be done for him. For this reason, I am telling you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe, trust, and be confident that it is granted to you, and you will get it. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him and let it drop. Leave it, let it go, in order that your Father who is in heaven may also forgive you your own failings and shortcomings and let them drop. Wow. He goes on and he says, but if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your failings and shortcomings. Wow. So we don't want anything hindering the flow in our lives, the flow of our faith, the flow of forgiveness. We don't want anything hindering our flow. We receive by faith. And if there's something that's blocking our faith, because he put this forgiveness scripture really in conjunction with a faith scripture, it means that it's very important for our faith to be operating, that we forgive. So he says, when you stand praying, forgive. And he says, forgive anyone of anything if you have anything against anyone wow now pastor mark's been sharing about how the lord's really dealing with that uh, particular portion with him don't have anything against anyone don't have anything against anyone and it's really powerful when we live a life that way because there's a free flow of his spirit in our life unforgiveness will really trip us up in our faith and one person said, it may be the number one way that the enemy gains access into our life. Well, if that's the truth, I don't want that. I want God to have access into my life. And if God has access when I walk in forgiveness. So unforgiveness will clog the pipeline, so to speak. It'll, it'll clog things up. And so we don't want that happening. As I said before, 3 John uh, 2, Beloved, I pray a... Ab- that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Wow, what if unforgiveness was blocking our health? We don't want that. So we don't want to have anything against anyone. And then he says, For I rejoice greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you just as you walk in the truth. So God's healing, we know from this scripture, flows from our spirit. It flows from our heart. It flows from that abundance, that reservoir of him working on the inside. All kinds of spiritual things flow from the inside out. They don't go from the outside in. They go from the inside out. And so because uh, unforgiveness also works on the inside, it's going to hinder what God is doing. So we want to get rid of that. Pastor Mark said that God's going to begin to deal with us uh, with things that are blocking the flow of him in our lives, like forgiveness, like our love walk, like our trust, like our obedience. Well, obedience is key. We know for God to do anything in our life, our obedience is key. But whatever he shows up in in our life, he wants us to change that thing. He wants us to obey in that thing. So if it's unforgiveness, we need to forgive. If it's a a lack of obedience in following him, we need to follow. If it's not listening, we need to listen. If it's, you know, anything, we have to correct that area. Well, I find it very interesting that along with our faith, he talks about forgive. So it obviously hinders our faith. But also, there's other things. Research says That unprocessed anger can actually produce all kinds of physical disorders in our life and in our body. In our body. Um, This book by Dr. Avery Jackson, The God Prescription, and he's coming... Um, in June, on June 26th, you'll want to be here because he's going to talk about how science and the Word of God and how it all works in our body. And, uh, but he talks about this, how unforgiveness and anger and negative emotions can really affect our physical bodies. So anger is a problem. Would you agree that anger is a problem today? <laughs> Anger's a problem. <laughs> We need to get rid of that. Well, a lot of anger is based in unforgiveness. A lot of anger comes from unforgiveness. Unresolved anger leads to bitterness and hostility and revenge and dis-ease, which is disease, separation uh, from God and from the body of Christ. These are not good situations, but forgiveness leads to reconciliation and to freedom. So forgiveness is really important to our life. And go with me over to Genesis 45. So we're going to go over to a story of forgiveness, and it's of um, Joshua. Excuse me, not Joshua, Joseph. It's of Joseph, and it's a really uh, familiar story to us, Joseph's story, it's a picture of forgiveness, and I'll just summarize the first part here. Joseph's story is found in Genesis. You can read the whole story, but we're not going to tonight. Um, he's the 11th son of Jacob. Genesis 27:30 tells us that Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made a robe of many colors for him he favored him he was a favorite son well that didn't make his brothers very happy (laughs) and so joseph's brothers um, actually wanted to kill him it says this in genesis 37 4 it says but when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers they hated him and they could not speak peacefully to him okay that's a problem (laughs) big big family issues going on So they wanted to kill him, and especially after he had dreams and shared them with them. (laughs) Um, But Reuben, the older brother, says, don't kill him. And Judah says, let's sell him. (laughs) So they put him in a pit, and when slave traders came by, they sold him into slavery. And so then there he was in slavery, and Joseph is falsely accused, and he gets thrown into prison. But he gets out of prison, and he rises to second-in-command in Egypt. We all know this story. So he has more dreams, and as he has more dreams, it's actually God advising him, and he uh, puts and stores food for this government food bank that's going to be distributed to people during the time of famine. And so as he does that, um, he encounters his brothers again, and that's where we're going to pick up his story, and it's in Genesis chapter 45. So as he encounters his brothers again... And after all of these things that his brothers did to him, you would think that maybe he would be resentful. Maybe he would be hurt. Maybe he would be upset. Maybe he wouldn't want to see them. Maybe he would have some deep-seated issues (laughs) with these brothers. But that's not what the Bible shows us. When we read from chapter 45, it says, let's see, in verse 1, "...then Joseph could not restrain himself any longer." Before all those who stood by him, and he called out, Cause every man to go out from me. No one stood there with Joseph while he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept and he sobbed aloud, and the Egyptians who had just left him heard it. And the household of Pharaoh heard about it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. After years and years, they are reunited They don't know who he is, but he knows exactly who they are. He says, "'Is my father still alive?' And his brothers could not reply, for they were distressingly disturbed (laughs) and dismayed at the startling realization that they were in his presence. And Joseph said to his brothers, "'Come near to me, I pray you,' and they did so. And he said, "'I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt.'" But now do not be distressed and disheartened or vexed and angry with yourselves. Because you sold me here, for God sent me ahead of you to preserve life. Wow. Wow. Talk about a perspective that is not common. In today, you know, we would say, you did this to me, you deserve punishment. Uh, It's not me who did wrong, and yet I suffered all of these things. But that's not what Joseph says. Joseph says, actually, God sent me ahead of you to preserve life. Wow. And it says, for these two years, the famine has been in the land. There are still five years more in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. God sent me before you to preserve for you a posterity and to continue a remnant on the earth to save your lives by a great escape and to save For many, save for you, many survivors. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and a lord of all of this house and a ruler over the land of Egypt. Hurry and go to my father and tell him, your son Joseph says this to you, God has put me in charge of all of Egypt. Come down to me and do not delay. You will live in the land of Goshen and you will be close to me, you and your children and your grandchildren and your flocks, your herds and all that you have. See, it doesn't sound like he has any kind of resentment. And I love how... Open-hearted he is. God sent me before you to preserve for you a posterity and continue a remnant on the earth. How could Joseph be so forgiving? Because he didn't focus on what they did. He focused on what God did. He focused on what God did. And he said, God actually sent me ahead. He had in his view the greater plan of God. And, you know, I think he had an idea that if he held unforgiveness toward his brothers, that it would hinder the plan of God in his life. So all those years that he spent in slavery and in prison, it could have created a low-grade burn on the inside of him, you know, if I ever see them again. (laughs) I should have, I could have, i will if you know those kind of things Do you ever leave a conversation and then you think i should have said that i should have said this oh i just was caught off guard i should have but no actually you were probably being restrained and you should not have (laughs) but joseph could have been angry with god too he could have said god why did you do this to me why did you send me here this isn't what you told me in the dream. No, this wasn't, doesn't look like what the dream was about. He could have been mad at his brothers. He could have been mad at his father. He could have been mad at God. And yet, Joseph recognized that God was with him through everything. Now, that's a perspective. That's a perspective that we can all learn from. The high point of Joseph's story is really that he uh, had reconciliation and he was instrumental in the greater plan of God. So Joseph shows sincere and really total forgiveness for his brothers. And I love this story because of that. Salvation, not destruction, was the purpose of God uh, placing Joseph where he did. And God had in his mind salvation for a nation. Oh, man. So it makes me think, if I hold unforgiveness, what has God got planned for me to do, for me to say? who, Who am I supposed to impact? And what's he doing through that? And how can I hinder that if I hold on to unforgiveness? It's things to think about. You know, if Joseph would have let unforgiveness into his heart, it could have stopped the plan of God. But he didn't do that. Actually, he opened his heart to God and he had an open flow all of the things he went through, God was with him. God was with him, and God promoted him, and he put him in the right place. He positioned him. So we're going to talk about some things about forgiveness tonight. Um, And it's going to be really basic. It's going to be really simple, but it's going to be really powerful if we receive it. So what is forgiveness? Well, first of all, we have to know what it is. And here's the first part. Forgiveness is a vital part of our obedience to Christ. He doesn't say it's optional, although oftentimes we feel like it might be. (laughs) The Bible doesn't present forgiveness as an optional thing for us. Actually, the Bible instructs us to forgive. In Matthew 6, 14, it says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you But if you do not forgive men, then your father will not forgive your transgressions. And we just uh, read very similar to that in Mark 11. So it's not an optional thing. It's actually something that's part of our obedience to the word of God. Ephesians 4 31 tells us this. It says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. See, the command is to really move in the same kind of forgiveness that was shown us, the same kind. And then Matthew 5, 43 says this, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Oh boy, it's a new commandment. I say to you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you in order that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he causes his sun to rise on the evil and the good and he sends rain upon the righteous and the unrighteous. Wow. So, forgiveness is not really optional, <laughs> and you know, it, it makes us feel better when we think it is, <laughs> but it's not. It's part of our obedience. David Wilkerson said this, he said, over the past 50 years of ministry, I have seen terrible devastation in the lives of those who withheld forgiveness. Yet I also have seen the glorious power of a forgiving spirit. Forgiveness transforms lives, causing the windows of heaven to open. It fills our cup of spiritual blessing to the brim with abundant peace, joy, and rest in the Holy Ghost. Jesus' teaching on the subject was very specific. And if you want to move in this wonderful realm of blessing, then heed and embrace his words. Oh, wow. So, forgiveness. Let's talk some more about it. Forgiveness means to release or to set free. I knew it was going to be like a really shouting service tonight. (laughs) Like, yes! Thank you, God! I'm going to do it right now! (laughs) But see, it's one of those things that the Holy Spirit works in our heart, right? And then when we do do it, it's real and it's full. So forgiveness means to release or to set free. And it's a decision. It's a conscious decision on the part of the offended party to forgive. To forgive the offender of the offense. To forgive them. To release is not uh, only to free us. It's to uh, disconnect us from that whole situation so that God can move in us and God can move in them. There's freedom that comes when we release. (laughs) I have some quotes from other people and I'll read them uh, along the way here. Uh, William Ward said this. He said, forgiveness is a funny thing. It warms the heart and it cools the sting. (laughs) Why does God want us to forgive? Because when we forgive and when we release, which is what forgiveness is, is to release and let it go, when we release then we set ourselves apart from that situation. But as long as we hold unforgiveness, we are still a big part of that situation. And the enemy can continue to manipulate us with people and with words and with situations and with all kinds of little things that come along. And it's like a sting every time. It it pierces our heart, it cuts our heart. But William Ward said, forgiveness is a funny thing. It warms the heart and it cools the sting. Paul Bossi said this, he said, Forgiveness doesn't change the past, but it enlarges our future. Love that one. Here's another point. Forgiveness is a choice, it's not a feeling. Forgiveness keeps us in the love flow. And if you've ever read after Dr. Caroline Leaf, she talks about how there's a fear flow and there's a love flow. And we are made for love. Forgiveness keeps us in the love flow where healing can come to us. But when we go into that other place, then all kinds of things start happening in our body and in our mind that God never intended. So we have to make a choice to resist feelings, thoughts, and memories that will cloud our forgiveness decision. That's a choice that we make. Forgiveness isn't a feeling, and it doesn't come because we feel good about it, because we probably won't at first. (laughs) but we will feel good about it later. But forgiveness is a decision. Brother Hagen said this. He said, if someone offends you, that's between them and God. Okay, when I heard that, I was like, no, wait a minute, that, something's wrong there. That's between me and them. <laughs> he says, no, that's between them and God. That's their business, what they did and it's my business, what I do with it, and what he advises me to do is to decide to forgive. If I decide to forgive, then I get to close the door on the enemy. I get to close the door on the pain and the hurt of that situation, and I get to put it in the hands of the one who really can do something about it. So, it's not my problem anymore. To forgive, we have to do it from a place of faith. And, you know, that's the same place that Jesus forgave from. Jesus didn't want to go to the cross. In fact, in the Garden of Gethsemane, we're told that he said, Father, if there's any other way. But that going to the cross was the forgiveness of sin for all of us. But how did Jesus do it? He did it by faith. He did it by putting his life in the hands of God. And he extended his faith in God and in the plan of God, and he went to the cross. He did it because of love for the Father and really love for us. He knew that that was the only way, so he made a decision and feelings followed. When we make a decision to forgive, it's not easy at first, but feelings will follow, and it will be good. It will be good. Catherine Ponder said this. She said, when you hold resentment toward another, you are bound to that person or condition by an emotional link that is stronger than steel. Forgiveness is the only way to dissolve that link and to get free. Wow. You don't want to be chained to a situation that will continue to cause destruction in your life. So here's another point. Forgiveness is not leniency or overlooking sin. You know, this was a big one for me. We had a lot of things uh, growing up and in our life that we really had to forgive. Different situations, different things that took place. And so when I was being led by the Holy Spirit for my own personal life to forgive, um, I felt like that it was really contrary to my concept of justice. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I couldn't forgive because... I wanted to make sure that somebody else either hurt like I hurt or got what they deserved or uh, didn't, wasn't just forgotten what they did, right? But that's really not why we forgive. We forgive so that we can let people off the hook, so that God can hook those people. <laughs> we don't want people to remain in that offense or in that place where they can't receive from God either. So forgiveness simply puts the whole situation into God's hands. And when God has his way, he ministers to every party in a situation. Every party. So uh, Romans 3.23 says this, it says, "...for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by His grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in His blood through faith. This was to demonstrate His righteousness, because in the forbearance of God, He passed over the sins previously committed." Now, the Bible talks about him passing over a sin, but why did he do that? Well, he did that. God passed over, not because he took sin lightly, but because he took it very seriously. God said, I know there's coming a day when forgiveness can come for every single person. And if I choose to have this sin covered year after year after year and put it to the day when Jesus sheds blood once and for all, then there is a permanent uh, payment for that sin. It's a propitiation, permanent payment for that sin. God knew something greater. It was still in His heart and mind salvation. Salvation was in His heart and mind. And so, you know, when we're looking at forgiveness, we don't want somebody uh, to go free when they've offended us. <clears throat> but did Jesus set us free? Oh, absolutely. So we want that same freedom for everyone. And it's hard. Sometimes it rubs up against our sense of what we have suffered. But that's where he fills us. He fills us. He ministers to us. He restores us. He makes us whole. And then we can forgive. And forgiveness isn't easy, but it's definitely something that as we surrender our life and our heart to him, he completely Fills and heals. He, he heals. But we have to make that decision. So <clears throat> David Wilkerson also said this. He said, forgiving doesn't mean forgetting, nor does it mean that you're given the message, you're giving the message that what someone did was okay. It just means that you've let go of the anger and the guilt towards someone or towards yourself. You know, sometimes we have a problem forgiving ourselves, And we hold that over our own head. And we think we have to suffer for what we did. But Jesus forgives us. He says this. He says, um, it just means that you've let go of the anger and the guilt towards someone or towards yourself. But that can be easier said than done. If forgiveness was easy, everyone would be doing it. (laughs) And it's the truth. It's a decision. It's a decision. Let's see. Here's another point. We forgive because God forgave us. We really learn about forgiveness on the cross. You know, that was real forgiveness. And when Jesus forgave us, he didn't make us earn it. He didn't make us say we were sorry. (laughs) We didn't even know we had to be sorry. (laughs) And yet he forgave us before we ever, ever did anything. He forgave us. It was freely offered. Forgive because God has forgiven us, not because people deserve it. We'll never feel like someone deserves forgiveness, but love is the motivation. And when we don't feel like we can forgive, we draw on the love of God, the love of God for people. The love of God for people can move through us into a place and bring that decision to forgive, and God can minister to all parties. So it's because of love. Let's see. Uh, Bryant McGill said this. He said, There is no love without forgiveness, and there is no forgiveness without love. I like that one. So we make a choice to forgive. Forgive. And really, we make a choice to forgive because we choose truth. We choose truth. And there's a real great story that I wanted to uh, bring to you, and it's about forgiveness. And I bet you know this person, uh, Cory Ten Boom. I know you've probably heard of her. If you haven't, she has a book called Tramp for the Lord. There's a movie about her, The Hiding Place. There's another book, The Hiding Place. Um, This quote that I'm going to read is out of her book, Tramp for the Lord. Um, But she was actually... um, hiding uh, Jewish people in her home in in, uh, the Netherlands. She was hiding people in her home um, from the Nazis, and she was arrested because of that. And not only her, but her father and her sister, uh, and her sister and her father died in concentration camps. And her sister was really horribly treated. And uh, Corey had a lot of unforgiveness because of the things that took place for her her own life and because her sister suffered so greatly. And so in her story, she says this. She says, uh, everyone had something to forgive, whether it was a neighbor who had turned them into the Nazis, to the authorities, or a vicious camp guard, or a brutal soldier. In May 1945, the Allies marched into Holland with unspeakable, to the unspeakable joy of the Dutch people. Despite the distractions of her work, Corey was still restless and she desperately missed her beloved Betsy. That was her sister. But now she remembered Betsy's words, that they must tell others what they had learned, that everyone had to forgive something. And it says, thus began more than three decades to travel around the world as a tramp for the Lord. As Corey described herself, the tramp for the Lord, she told people her story of God's forgiveness of sins and the need for people to forgive those who had harmed them. And she started traveling all over the place, and she went to prisons, and she went to uh, people's homes and spoke. She went to uh, all kinds of uh, church meetings. She went to gatherings for business people and all kinds of different places. I once saw a video, and I have it on VHS, of Corey Ten Boom being interviewed by Catherine Coleman. Now, that is a real dichotomy of personalities. It's like... Very flamboyant and very like grandmothery, and so it was like the the funnest video to watch. But she tells her story this way: uh, Corey herself, it says, was put to the test in 1947 while speaking in a Munich church. At the close of the service, a balding man in a gray overcoat stepped forward to greet her. Corey froze. She knew this man well he'd been one of the most vicious guards at Ravensbrook one who had mocked the women prisoners as they showered i came back it all came back with a rush she wrote the huge room with its harsh overhead lights the pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the corner of the floor the shame of walking naked in front of this man and now he was pushing his hand out to shake hers and saying It was a fine message, Fraulein, how good it is to know that, as you say, all of our sins are at the bottom of the sea. And I, who had spoken so glibly of forgiveness, fumbled in my pocketbook rather than take that hand. He would not remember me, of course. How could he remember one of the prisoners among thousands of women? But I remembered him and the leather crop switching from his belt. I was face to face with one of my captors and my blood seemed to freeze. Can you imagine? You mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk, he was saying. I was a guard there. But since that time, he went on, I have become a Christian. And I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things that I did there. But I would like to hear it from your lips as well, Fraulein. And again, the hand came out. Will you forgive me? Can you even imagine? It's like making me cry right now. (laughs) Oh, man. And see, every one of us has a situation, a situation where forgiveness is that hard, right? Where the Holy Spirit says, no, it's time to let that go. And we go, gulp. (laughs) You're kidding me, right? You mean that they're going to go free if I forgive them? And God says, no, no, that's not how it works. God moves in the realm of love. He moves in a different realm. She says, I stood there. I, whose sins, again and again, had been forgiven. And I could not forgive. Betsy died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? The soldier stood there expectantly waiting for Corey to shake his hand. She wrestled with the most difficult thing I have ever had to do. For I had to do it, I knew that. The message of God's forgiveness has a prior condition, that we forgive those who have injured us. Standing there before the former SS man, Corey remembered that forgiveness is an act of our will, it's not an emotion. Jesus, help me, she prayed. I, can li- I can't lift my hand. I can't do it. <laughs> and then she says, I can lift my hand, I can do that much. You supply the feeling. Corey thrust out her hand, and as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, it raced down my arm, it sprang into our joined hands, and then this feeling of warmth seemed to flood my whole being. Bringing tears to my eyes, I said, I forgive you, brother. I cried with all my heart, I forgive you. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. But even so, I remembered it was not my love. I had tried, and I didn't have the power. It was the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't you love that story? Oh, my goodness. I love when I hear testimonies like that. You know, I love reading... Stories like this, because it helps us in our life. It helps us. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that helps us to forgive. We draw from a different source. And where is that source? Well, it's the inside. It's Him. It's Him that moves us, because He knows that we cannot accomplish the plan of God if we don't forgive. Oh, man. So forgiveness, here's another point. Needs to be granted quickly. (laughs) You notice in her story, do you notice in Joseph's story, it wasn't something that they pondered, that they thought, hmm, maybe next week, maybe next year, maybe I'll let you suffer a little because you made me suffer. No, forgiveness needs to be offered when the Holy Spirit prompts us, it's quickly. Joseph forgave his brothers long before this moment came. How do we know that? Because as soon as they were in his presence, he was able to love them and embrace them and reach out to them and offer them goods and gifts. And, and he had uh, wonderful things for them. So he had forgiven before this moment. <laughs> How could he even have survived everything that he did with the positivity and the expectation of God if he hadn't. I mean, that's how he made it through all of those circumstances because his heart was free. Ephesians 4.26 tells us this, be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. When we withhold forgiveness, we give the devil an opportunity. Oh man, we don't want to give him any more opportunities. We want to shut the doors on the devil. Matthew 5.25 says, Make friends quickly with your opponent at law while you are with him on the way, in order that your opponent may not deliver you to the judge, and the judge to the officer, and then you be thrown into prison. And you know, really, he's talking about the devil imprisoning us with that unforgiveness. He says, make peace on the road. Mark Twain said this, forgiveness is the fragrance of the violet that the violet sheds on the heel that has crushed it. I find that very interesting, and, you know, it makes me think about Jesus. Jesus was doing everything that he did in love in love for us while we were crushing him. And yet it was that love that motivated him and that took him all the way. So here's another point. Make it our practice to forgive people whether they ask for it or not. (laughs) When Pastor Mark says forgive everyone, anything and everything, he's talking about Having an attitude of forgiveness that just says, "I'm not going to take any offense for anything. I'm not even going to take it. Um, I'm not going to go there." If we have that kind of attitude, then nobody can ever really hold us in bondage, not the devil and not people. He'll have nothing to hang over our heads. He'll have nothing to uh, present before us, to tempt us, and because we've already made the decision, I'm forgiving. It doesn't matter. I'm forgiving. We refuse to take it. Here's another point. Forgiveness should be granted privately. You know, in the story about Joseph, I like this one thing. It says that he sent everyone out of the room. When he was going to make reconciliation with his brothers, he sent everybody out. You know, if we have a problem uh and maybe you've been in this situation. If we have a problem with somebody, and we go to vent to somebody, or we go to, you know, I just have to talk about this. I just have to vent about this. I just have to um, share something with you. (laughs) Well, then that person is now in on it. And then how do they see that other person? See, sometimes we take borrowed offenses. Well, now I'm upset with Shane because of what Shane said to Jonathan. I can't believe he said that. I can't believe he did that. But if we keep it between us and the Lord, and we take it to them, and we let God deal with it, and no matter whether they apologize to us, whether they try to make things right, if we deal with that offense, then we can wash our hands of it. God is the greatest counselor. You want to vent? Go vent to him. (laughs) Sometimes we don't want to. Because we know what he'll tell us. We know the things that he'll say. He'll lead us to forgive. <laughs> but forgiveness is powerful. Proverbs ten twelve says this, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all transgressions. If we're moving in the flow of love, then we're not going to try and expose people. Proverbs 12, 16 says, A fool's vexation is known at once, but a prudent man conceals dishonor. Wow. And Matthew 18, 15 says, And if your brother sins, go and reprove him privately, and if he listens to you, you will have won your brother. I love that. God wants to, uh, reconciliation to happen always. So George MacDonald said this, he said, Forgiveness is the giving and so the receiving of life. I like that. So here's another point about forgiveness. Forgiveness is a process. You know, in all of the things that that we go through, in all of the times that we forgive, the enemy will try and bring that back up. Maybe a year, maybe five years, maybe ten years down the road. And here's something else that, that I've found. When you decide to forgive in one area, you might forgive with all of your heart, and it's complete right now. But 10 years down the road, the enemy starts stirring things up. And he starts, you know, going, hey, remember that? Hey, remember? And maybe it's when you encounter a situation that's similar. And he tries to stir things back up. And we have to say, nope, I already forgave. I resist that. I am not going to take that offense again, and I'm not going to take it in a new way. (laughs) I'm not going to take it with a new person. We have to let forgiveness completely be a process, and and it's shown to us here, too, in Genesis with Joseph's story. Go with me over to Genesis 50. In Genesis 50, starting in verse uh, 15... Joseph's father has now passed away and his brothers wonder if his forgiveness will be permanent. But when we offer forgiveness, it is permanent because the Holy Spirit helps us to continue to work through that anytime it comes up. And so right here in verse 15, it says, when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, perhaps now Joseph will hate us and will pay us back for all the evil things we did to him. And they sent a messenger to Joseph, saying, Your father commanded before you died, saying, So shall you say to Joseph, Forgive and take up and away all resentment and all claim to requital concerning, I pray you now, the trespass of your brothers and their sin, for they did evil to you. Now we pray you, forgive the trespass of the servants, and of your father's God and Joseph wept when they spoke this to him Joseph wasn't holding anything against them Joseph said oh my gosh the devil is still doing that to you Wow see sometimes it's harder to forgive ourselves than to forgive someone else he said the devil is still tormenting you with that no my forgiveness is still in place My forgiveness is permanent. And it goes on and it says, Then his brothers went and they fell down before him, saying, See, we are your servants, your slaves. And Joseph said to them, For fear not, for I am in the place, am I in the place of God? Vengeance is his, not mine. See, he put it all in the right place, in the hands of God. And he says, As for you, You thought evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are this day. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for, I will support you and your little ones. And he comforted them, imparting cheer, hope, strength, and he spoke to their hearts kindly. And Joseph dwelt in the land, he and his father's household, and Joseph lived 110 years. Wow. I love that. The devil continues to try and stir things up. But forgiveness is a process, and it's permanent. So uh, part of the process of forgiveness is that we don't really forget the transgression, but it no longer has the ability to cause us pain. We put that aside. We give it to the Lord. And we might know things that happened, but it doesn't hurt us anymore. And Joseph is really in that place. He's like, no, I let that go a long time ago. I can bless you. I can cheer you. I can bring hope. I can bring strength. I can speak kindly to you. How do you know if your forgiveness has not gone through the whole process? Well, do you have difficulty speaking kindly to that person? (laughs) Does the devil poke you every time you hear their name? Right? Forgiveness is a process, but every time that happens, we give it back to him, we give it back to him, we give it back to him. And he'll help us. He'll help us to walk in love, and he'll help us to make that decision to forgive. Jeremiah 31, 34 says this, For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. Does it mean that God completely forgot it? Well, probably not. He knew it happened. But God doesn't remember it in that it is covered by the blood. There's no more sting to it. There's nothing more that can be held against us with that sin. Wow. One person said this, Forgiveness is me giving up my right to hurt you for hurting me. (laughs) I like that one. Here's another one I like. Sarah Patterson said this. She said, Sincere forgiveness isn't colored with expectations that the other person apologize or change. Don't worry whether or not they finally understand you. Oh, that's a good one. Love them and release them. Life feeds back truth to people who, in its own way and time, just like it does for you and me. Louise Smeeds said this. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. It's a good one. And last of all, I want to say this point. Forgiveness is not an option. It's a command. It's a command from the Word of God. And we fulfill this command by walking in love. And 1 Corinthians thirteen four says this. It says, love is patient. Love is kind is not jealous, love does not brag, it is not arrogant, it does not act unbecomingly, it doesn't seek its own, it is not provoked, it does not take into account a wrong suffered. Love does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. It bears all things, it believes all things, it hopes all things, it endures all things. Love is really the basis for forgiveness. And it's the love that God showed us and it's the love that flows through us when we forgive. So last quote, it's by Robert Mueller and he said this, to forgive is the highest, most beautiful form of love. In return, you will receive untold peace and happiness. And that's the truth. The happiest life is a life of a person who walks in continual forgiveness. So i know it wasn't a super fun running shouting message tonight but guess what it's one that will change your whole life (laughs) it's a good message and uh you know i just uh, believe that because this keeps coming up you know the holy spirit really speaks to us about things And he kind of majors on things, and he's majoring on this for us. He's majoring on forgiveness and dealing with unforgiveness. And the reason why he's doing that is because he wants us set free. He wants us set free, and he wants us to move in love and in power. It's the mission of this church to love, lift, and reach people. Love, lift, and reach people. Well, that takes moving with the love of God, and it means forgiveness. So God wants us to understand his word and sometimes we have nights like tonight where we just simply bring quiet instruction and we let the Holy Spirit speak to our hearts and then we take it into the prayer closet and we say, okay, Lord, what is it that you want me to do with that? Who is it that I need to forgive? Do I need to forgive me? Do I need to forgive them? Do I need to forgive in a situation? Am I holding resentment against a a Greater thing that I can't even see that's affecting my life How do I need to apply this and how do I need to do this in my life? And the Holy Spirit will show us he'll show us, you know, sometimes unforgiveness works its way out toward You know, I'm just I'm mad at China right now, you know because COVID or whatever it is, okay, whatever it is, but God wants us free. He wants us free. He wants us free. He wants us free. Because when we're free, then he can freely move in our midst. So he brings these words to us so we can know the word and we can be skilled in the word. When we're skilled in the word, we become people like a master carpenter or a master musician or a a master craftsman We become people who are able to take the word and bring it to places. And that's what he wants for us. So forgiveness is really powerful. And I believe that he's speaking to us as a church right now because there's a lot of areas. When Pastor Marshall was here, he talked to us about it. Um, Multiple times God has told us that we are going to move into new realms New realms of spiritual things, new realms of the Holy Spirit, new realms of healing, new realms of miracles. But those don't just happen. They don't happen because God, you know, is doing something random. They happen because our hearts have done the work. And our hearts are healed. And now God can flow through us in love to his people. So it's a powerful message tonight. So why don't you stand up with me and let's just thank him for this message. Let's tell him thank you. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving us. Thank you, Lord, for your power available to us to forgive. We thank you, Lord, that your love was released to us on the cross, that it was so powerful. It was the greatest act of love ever, what Jesus did. And Father, we thank you for that. We thank you so much for the forgiveness that you moved towards us in forgiveness. We thank you for forgiving our lives. And, Father, we just ask you now, we ask you now, Father, to fill us with that love. Oh, we sang it tonight. You heal because you love. You heal because you love. You heal our hearts, you heal our lives, you heal our wounds, you heal our minds, you heal those areas that are in the closets, that are hidden, that we've shut the door on, that we didn't want to look at. You heal those things. And I thank you that tonight is another step towards that, Father. It's another step in the in, in our healing process. It's another step so that we can be fully used of you, so that we can be your instruments, so that we can be the people Oh, (laughs) that your power moves through. We thank you for this message. We thank you for it, Lord. We thank you for it. Oh, we thank you for it. We thank you for your message tonight. And we invite the Holy Spirit to continue with it, to speak to us and to reveal to us how we can apply it. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. God's good, isn't he? Amen. Well, let's say this as we go. What God did in Christ Jesus far exceeds any damage done to me by Adam's fall. Amen. Have a great week.